It's great to see you. Uh, my name's Eddie Sharp. Um, I go by various names. I have um, I have a name that I have grandchildren that call me, and it's Pop. Uh, one of the grandchildren likes to call me Popcorn. And uh, for some reason, my wife thinks that is really appropriate. Because I told her once that I, I thought I was a wit, and she said that I was half right. Um, and uh, it's kind of gone uphill from there. Anyway, it's uh, Carson called. You all know, know Carson. Uh, Carson called and said, would you like to go to Kerrville and preach? Um, there are two parts to that. Would I like to go to Kerrville? Any day. Any day. Uh, that's why the hotel where I was last night was completely packed. And I stayed in the handicapped room. They had heard me preach too. So I, I, don't, um, I don't know. Uh, and so would you like to preach? And yes. Yes, I would, I would like to preach. I, I started preaching every Sunday in the end of August in 1971 at Voca, Texas, just up the road outside of Brady. And so I've been doing it a little while, and every time I get to preach, it's such a privilege to get to be in Scripture and to get to open God's Word. And so I'm really happy to, to be here. Uh, I am not on the put the church on the CAT scan table and run it through and then come down and, and sit down and talk to you about where you've got a whoopsie. I, I am not in the whoopsie diagnosing uh, crew. I could, but I'm not. I'm on the side of the, of the table that says the people of God who walk in the light of God are an honor to God in everything they do and the church is the body of sweet Jesus in the world and the Holy Spirit is living in the life of the church and in, in the life of of the men and women in the church, and I have great hope. Not because we are strong, but because God is incredibly competent. God is good at what He does. The Spirit is good at what He does. Jesus was really good at what He did and what He continues to do on our behalf and the great God who is one and who is three is with us. Do not despair. Guys up there? We're going to go here? Okay, this is on. Uh, this light's out. <laughs> now, some of you are, are going, isn't this awkward for him? Are you kidding I've had some of the most amazing things happen during church. Uh, microphone's just a part of it. That has to happen. 
Uh, but anyway, um, and so um, I have great hope for the life and the body of the church. Um, just a little bit about me. I um, one time thought I was going to be a scientist, and I changed my mind and moved from Rice to ACU, and did a, a Bible physics double major, which means if I drop my Bible, I can tell you how long it takes to get to the floor. That's pretty much the extent of that. Uh, I've, I've preached in uh, Nevada and in New Mexico and in Texas. I was 28 years in, uh, at ACU at, at uh, uh, the university church there. And I taught for 18 or 19 years at the university. And that's where I got my nickname, Easy Eddie. How many of you have ever heard that before? Some of you probably have kids that have heard that before. Anyway, and then the last uh, 10 years, uh, 2008 to 2018, I preached at the University Avenue Church in Austin. And I've been semi-retired for a couple of years. And this last year, just up on blocks in the garage. There are people here that I dearly love. The Coleys out there, they're nice people. Yeah. And she's the boss of the church, so you got to be really <laughs> nice about her. And, and Ricky Pruitt I've known for a long time. I think I saw little Ricky Pruitt at the uh, Continent of Great Cities um, retreat in Buenos Aires, maybe in 86 or something like that. You would have been around by then? Yeah. So that was that. And uh, the porters reminded me that they used to come to Abilene a lot to see her mom and dad, the marshals there. And so if there's anybody else here that I owe money to, I'll try to catch up with you later. We'll, we'll do that. So let's pray and then we'll preach a bit. Dear Lord, we're thankful for the day. It's a day when there's a lot of things going on, spring break and time change and, and uh, a pandemic and all kinds of things. And yet with all that going on, uh, Lord, we proclaim that, that you are God and we are your people. And we come here today to, to worship you and to be called by your name. We pray that you will be with us and in the, the study of your word, that you'll be glorified. And that we will live to the praise of your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I'm going to be here four Sundays. After today, you can decide what you want to do. But the four Sundays end with Easter Sunday. And so in the process of thinking about these Sundays, I, I want to preach four sermons that the first three get us to Easter and then Easter we, we celebrate. I don't think I have to do anything very special to make that happen. I just have to do what we always want to have done on Sunday. We want to see Jesus. We want the light to be shining on the one who gives us all of our hope. And we want to learn that we're loved. We want to learn how to love one another. And we want to enjoy the fellowship 
as we gather together in this circle. And so this morning I thought we could begin in John chapter 3. Not many of you have studied this verse. Um, It's one of the, everybody knows this verse. But I want to talk about this uh, as we begin today. And we begin with Jesus visiting with Nicodemus, that first slide. This is not an actual photograph. But John 3 begins with this man going in the night to see Jesus. This is a man who is a Pharisee. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. He has power. He has learning. If there's anything about his life that can be answered inside the political structure of Israel at that point, if there's anything that can be answered in the knowledge of the scriptures, if there's anything that can be answered in the knowledge of the law, he already knows that. And yet he's a person who is coming by night for a second, third, fourth opinion. He's coming confessing by his coming that he he doesn't know the answer to the question that he's asking. You know, some people say you should only ask questions if you know the answer. That's, That's kind of lawyer talk, right? Never ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. That also works for three-year-old girls. They'll give you a completely different answer than you want. But he comes, and his, his question is very simple. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one could perform the miraculous deeds you're doing if God were not with him. But Jesus knows his question is eternal life. What about eternal life? He comes schmoozing Jesus for a bit, but Jesus knows the question that's in his heart. What about eternal life? Have any of you started that answering, asking that question yet? Have any of you looked at your calendar and said, ooh, looks like I better start asking that eternal life question. Looks like I'm suffering from calendar poisoning. And calendar poisoning is what you get from having too many dates. Year after year after year. And maybe you remember back when you were five or six and and you were given some notion that you were not immortal but mortal. But you kind of blew that off and say, you know, that's not important. I'm 16, it's not important. I'm 20, it's not important. Maybe you're still saying it's not important. But at some point it occurs to you, what about my life? What about my 
name? What about my identity? What about the continuity of myself? Or, or maybe your, your question is not the longevity question. Maybe it's the quality question. How can I live the life that God most wants? How do I live not just an eternal length of life, but how do I have an eternal quality of life? How do I do it? Jesus didn't need the flattery, but Jesus was ready to respond to the question. You must be born again. You must be born of the water and the Spirit. How can I be born again? Oh, don't worry about that. The Spirit's got that. That's the Spirit's job. It's not you to figure that out. The Spirit blows where it wills. Blows where he wills. He does what he wants. He invigorates wherever he goes. The Spirit that hovered over the the face of the deep in Genesis 1 is the same Spirit that is willing to hover over the chaos of my life and your life. And even as God speaks, let there be, the Holy Spirit is ready to let that will of God be formed and shaped in your life. Jesus had an answer for Nicodemus there in the dark. And maybe it was the first glimpse of light that Nicodemus had had in a long time. And Jesus says, Nick, I'll tell you what this is like, you Old Testament scholar, you. This is like that time when the Israelites were in the wilderness and, and, and it wasn't the first generation in the wilderness. It wasn't those people just fresh out of Egypt. It was the people who had waited all those years for the, that generation to die. These were the ones on whom God had put his hope and they're grumping around about what they had had to eat. They're grumping around. And God says, enough. And he sends the serpents out. And the serpents, when they bite, the people suffer. And some of them die. And they, they're suffering and they're under threat. The serpents are everywhere. The serpents are everywhere. And God says to Moses, Moses, what you need to do is take this evil that's among you Look at those serpents, the thing that is evil among you, the thing that is hurting you, the thing that is killing you, and make a bronze of it and hang it on a stick. And the people, when they look at it, they'll be healed. Now, if Nicodemus loved the rabbis, he would have loved what Jesus did right there. That's a very rabbi kind of thing to say. Make that kind of symbolism and metaphor. He, he, He was good with that. But then Jesus 
says, as he goes forward, there's going to be another raising. That, the next slide will be great. Um, there's going to be another lifting up. And we've heard this this morning already. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. There's no way Nicodemus will understand what this means the night he hears this. But in John, Nicodemus is the man who's going to take him down off that cross. Nicodemus is the man who goes and helps Joseph of Arimathea. Nicodemus will know the day that Jesus was lifted up. Now, as, as we sit here, perhaps our heads are spinning a bit about why, is, why did Moses make a snake? And why does Jesus say his cross is like that snake? That's the reason we're going to heaven. There's going to be Bible class. We get to ask lots of questions. That's why it's eternal. Lots of questions. But as I've thought about this and, and kind of let this rest on me, maybe it's something like this. And if you get to heaven and find out this isn't wrong, just go, well, it was a time change Sunday and it only counted 50% anyway. But in the wilderness, the people are beset by something they cannot Fight, they cannot confront. They are beset by something that they've earned. They have it coming. And God says, make an image of all that judgment that is represented in the coming of the serpents who bite and poison and kill and put that on a stick. And then God says, there will come a day when those who are living in darkness and who are dying in their sins, who are beset by temptation and whose lives are in misery will see lifted up among them the very Son of God who will himself take on all of the sin of the world. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. And all of our new life reconciled to God, all of our new life as new creation to God comes because we are not looking at the serpent that is the sign of our judgment and pain, but we are looking at Jesus. And when we see Jesus on the cross, we see our sin, we see the judgment of God we see all of our missteps. We see everything there on 
Jesus, and he basically says, you can come to me and look to me and I will save you. Or you can be like those folks back in Numbers who when they heard you could look at the serpent and live said, no, I'm doing fine. Actually, kind of getting on with the snakes. Uh, I'm, I'm living with the snakes. Don't tell me what to do. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a snake person myself. Uh, if it's long and skinny and wiggly and no legs, you're talking my language. There is a choice to be made. I've got a feeling. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I've got a feeling those people in Numbers were hustling to get close to get a look at the serpent on the stick. If I've got to make a choice, serpent bite, look at a serpent on a stick, I'm looking at the serpent. It seems like such a simple choice. Jesus says, and John writes, God so loved the world that he put his one and only son on a stick. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I don't know if the devil was in the wilderness tempting people to love the serpents on the ground more than they appreciated the gift of the serpent on the stick. I can imagine that the, the devil would do that. I can imagine he would go, no, nah, it's premature. Perhaps being around the serpents will make your children stronger, more resilient. Maybe, well, you're out in the wilderness. What do you expect? I don't know if the devil did that, but I know where he shows up today. The devil shows up in the world, and in his darkness, he makes the argument that it is better to be in the dark without Jesus than to be in the light seeing Jesus lifted up. Really? And the world is so seduced by the devil's freedom argument don't let anybody tell you what to do don't let anybody cramp your style that the devil holds much of the world in chains the rest of this I love for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned snake bit already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come to the light 
for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. I grew up in country where there were bugs. And before people had things called exterminators. When I was a kid, exterminators were shoes. But Sister Sandusky over here told me before church that she was with my mom and dad when my dad was preaching at the Bront Church of Christ outside of San Angelo before I was born. Pretty cool, huh? But it's in those kinds of places. My dad lived in Bront, Sheffield, Carlsbad, New Mexico. I graduated high school in El Paso where, where bugs go to retire. And, and I noticed that there were two kinds of bugs, at least two kinds. Some of you who are really smart about bugs are going to go, there's more than two kinds. For the next four minutes, there's going to be two kinds. Thanks. Sometimes when I was a kid um, in Carlsbad or in El Paso, you, you get in the middle of the night, you want to get a, something out of the refrigerator, you go in, you turn the lights on, the roaches are in the middle of the floor playing cards. And when the light comes on, what do they do? My take on that was roaches don't like looking at each other. And they only meet in the dark. But then, especially in the summertime, on the back porch, there were moths. And if the porch light was on, the moths were all around the light, all around the light. Oh, I guess I've got to get around the light. I don't care if it's a yellow light. It's going to be a white light. I don't care what it is. I've got to get around the light. And all the little moths, and when you turn the porch light off finally, they all go back to wherever moths go with little singes on their fur because they were close to the light. Close to the light. John 3, Jesus says, John says, don't live like a roach. Live like a moth. Come to the light. Come to the light. Come to the light where you can see Jesus lifted up. Where you can see the love of God in the midst of your sin. When you can see your sin totally sacrificed totally given over to the mercy and the blood of Christ come to that light and if and if there's anything in your life that's telling you to stay in the dark it's a roach it's a devilish dark satanic roach I do this for the sake of people. Girls, if some guy says he wants to take you to the dark, you're dating a roach. <laughs> Ricky, that's free. I just, yeah. And, and, and don't date the roach of the week. In the, in, in the, in the uh, 
interest of equality. Guys, if some girl wants to take you to the dark, it, don't let her bug you. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Nicodemus heard it all. He heard it all. He came at night, but at night he found the light. He came at night and he found the one who would be lifted up. He came at night and he found the one who would give the good and Holy Spirit. He came at night and he found the key to eternal life. My hope and prayer today is that you would come to the light. My prayer would be that this church on this hill would be a church of the light. And that you would be filled with light in such a way that people see Jesus in you and in you. They see the beginning of their hope. Now, I don't know if y'all, do y'all do the invitation song here or do y'all just quit? Huh? What? You do the invitation. See, I, I talked to Sister Coley because what you think happens doesn't necessarily happen. But if Sister Coley says it happens, it happens. This is the easiest text in the world to offer an invitation. Because it's right there, isn't it? Jesus in the world saying he is the light. I am the light of the world. And we are invited from darkness to light. If you've never joined Jesus Christ in this contract of life, if you've never come to him, been joined with him, been buried with him, and raised with him, then we invite you to come. And if you need prayer from this group of saints, for any reason, if you'll let them know, they'll pray. Let's stand and sing together.